Hey, what is up? Welcome to this episode of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brian Lofermento, and I'll tell you what, we are starting 2024 off strong because this year we are hyper-focused on actually building, growing, and scaling your business. And today's guest is a master at one of the most essential ingredients when it comes to growing and scaling your business, and that is people. That is talent. Let me tell you all about today's guest. His name is Raul Mendoza. Raul has been a positive instigator in the talent acquisition space for the last 20 plus years, helping startups and complex businesses attract and retain top talent in a variety of areas. In 2002, he walked into a staffing agency where he found his start in talent acquisition. Speaking Spanish fluently as a second language, he began as a bilingual receptionist and very quickly became an on-site director managing multiple accounts. He's worked in dynamic and entrepreneurial environments. As a founding member, he was integral in helping build a boutique staffing firm from the ground up, this is crazy, with only two employees to 70 plus consultants dispersed across the country remotely. Also, as a key member of a small team, his contributions helped expand a rapidly growing gene therapy startup from 700 employees when he joined in early 2019 to nearly 2,000 plus employees. Raul is one of us. He's a fellow entrepreneur. He went full time with his own business, Rapido Talent, at the end of last year. So I'm so excited to hear his journey. We're going to learn a lot from Raul today, so I'm not going to say anything else. Let's dive straight into my interview with Raul Mendoza. All right, Raul, I'm so excited that you're here kicking us off in the first week of 2024. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brian. I am thrilled to be here. Heck yeah. So obviously, I tease listeners a little bit about how awesome you are and, and your bio, but take us beyond the bio. What's your short story of how the heck you ended up doing all this awesome stuff that you've gotten into? Totally, totally. Yeah, I basically started my career path here in the talent space. Um, I was deciding whether or not I wanted to uh, go to college or, um, well, basically, I, I wanted to go to college and I was making plans to do so. And uh, basically, I, I went, I stepped into a staffing firm here in Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, and looking for just a temp job just to make some money and uh, for the summer and to start putting money away to go to school. And essentially from that, uh, I stepped into that, uh, uh, that staffing company and they uh, were looking for a bilingual receptionist. So I'm like, well, I speak Spanish. Uh, and uh, that's basically how I got my start in talent acquisition. I started on the agency side or the vendor side and uh, basically spent the first decade of my career on that side of the desk, uh, you know, doing um, search for both small boutique firms, also having, like you mentioned in the bio, um, having being kind of that right hand man to other entrepreneurs and building out. Uh, agencies and uh, to current time. Now I'm doing my own thing. So <laughs> that's a little bit there. Yeah, I love that overview, Raul. I'm going to ask you because I feel like that's a word that we all hear so frequently in business, talent acquisition. And and I know that for me for a long time before I understood the art 
or the science. Actually, we're going to go there for sure in today's conversation. I just thought talent acquisition, what does it mean? Well, it means putting out a job posting, hoping that the right candidates apply, and then using the art or the science, I want to hear your perspective on that, of selecting the right talent. Walk us through that. What does talent acquisition actually mean rather than just hoping that the right candidates apply and enroll? Is this an art? Is it a science? Is a little bit of, of both? Share some insights there. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I do absolutely agree that it is a little bit of both. Um, it's both an art and a science. But I think before we get into the art or the science, it's about people. I think having a passion for people. Uh, recruiting at the end of the day is about relationship. And relationships take time. Uh, there's no, no amount of technology. There's no amount of science that can speed that process up. Um, you have to be passionate about people, passionate about building relationships, genuinely care about people. And, you know, the experience of actually helping people understand where they fit, uh, that's, that's a complex <laughs> process. So it, it requires both understanding people and there's tools and personality assessments to help individuals along that journey. Uh, but at the end of the day, one of the things that I really boast here at, with my company, Rapido Talent, is, uh, you know, we're, we're about getting the right people in the right places. And you can't have the right place without the right people because people make an organization. You build organizations with people, not systems and technology. Systems and technology are an assist. That's the science piece. But... Uh, people are the ones that make the magic happen. They're the ones that are using the tech. They're the ones that are coming up with the ideas. And every organization has a, a, a different DNA. And it's understanding that DNA, understanding the DNA of the people that you're going after and marrying that up. And yeah, so I guess a little bit of a recruiting scientist is uh, <laughs> what you can call me. <laughs> I, I love that, Raul, because you're right, it is. And I mean, when it comes to science, for example, obviously I'm thinking about that analogy of like all the different chemical reactions that happen under. If you mix one thing with another, it's gonna be a different outcome than mixing it maybe even in a different order. And I think that when you bring us back to that people element of growing a business, that people element of growing a team, that people element of attracting, retaining talent. What I really like, it says it right on your website. I mean, you are not shy about this. You write big headline. People are your company's greatest asset. But what I really like and what I want to hone in on, Raul, is you wrote, our passion is helping you find the right people for the right positions. And I think that playing with that scientist role, I think that that's such an important aspect of it is not just the right people. Finding the right people is one thing, but getting them in the right positions, enabling them to use their skills, to, to do things that they're passionate about, that's an essential part of it. Talk to us about that because I think that we have a tendency of honing in on hey, the hiring process, but we lose sight of the, the maintaining, the growing, the embedding process. Talk to us about the importance and where talent acquisition and, and, and retaining talent, what's the scope of it? Where does it start? Where does it stop? Totally. I think it's interesting because I think a lot of organizations think that the, the recruiting process starts with finance approving the requisition or the several positions that are looking to be filled. And that's not where it starts. You know, I, I really believe in, you know, as I said earlier, relationships take time. And if we're waiting to look to fill positions 
for organizations and build organizations with what I believe is their most precious asset, people. It's, you know, it takes time to unearth that treasure. It's, it takes time to unearth those gems. Uh, so I, I tell organizations that you're, you're, you're late to the party if you're starting your recruiting on a position when the rec got approved. It, it starts long before that. I think, um, you know, recruiting is all about planning and it's all about proactive activity. And I think it starts with, you know, depending upon the position that you're looking for, the organization that you're looking uh, to work with or find people to work for them, uh, you know, I, I, we have to have a long-term plan. Long before <laughs> finance approves, this, approves uh, requisitions, we need to understand, okay, what are we looking to build here? Um, you know, whether it's a finance department, uh, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, a business intelligence group. And let's, you know, instead of reacting, let's be proactive and begin to think about, okay, what are some, uh, what are the soft skills that we're looking to attract? So having these conversations, I think even as a, as a business owner, as I'm thinking, you know, the next three to five, to 10 years out, um, I'm thinking, you know, okay, what kinds, first of all, it's about values. It's about what, what do we value as an organization? What is, what, what do we hold true? What is our true north as a company? And those values will shape what kind of people and character we want to have in our organization. Coupled with that, we got to look at hard skills as well. So, you know, if we're looking at finance people, you know, we're, we're looking at, you know, maybe we need somebody that has had corporate finance experience or, um, you know, so making sure that those skills are dialed in as well. So it's not just character, but it's competency and marrying those two things up uh, to get the right uh, blend of people. But again, that's informed by values. Like what, what, what do you hold as valuable as an organization? You know, what are the things that are your true north? What do you aspire your organization to be? And then actually going at it and beginning to talk to people, uh, have conversations with people because you can have an idea, but then you start talking to individuals and you realize, oh, you know what? Um, this type of skill set, I'm not seeing this type of skill set with this type of, of value blend, you know, uh, and all of a sudden you're back to the, the drawing board and you're like, but I'm finding people that have this skill, this skill set and maybe this value blend. You know, I talked to 10 people in the last month. And so, you know, it, it, it can shift from what you think, you know, you can have an idea, you can have a plan and that can shift as you talk to people and more. And then once, you know, once you have those conversations and so I, you know, I call that kind of the, the courting stage, you know, so I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of talent acquisition organizations, they think, okay, rec is on, let's, let's start sourcing. Let's start sending emails. No, I think even before sourcing, even before the rec, there's the courting phase of actually getting to know people. There's the planning phase. It's, you know, what would you like your wedding to look like? You know, to use that analogy, you know, people court because they want to eventually find a partner to get married. And I think in the same way in the talent acquisition space, uh, you, you have to court people. You have to, and that courting process is also a process of, of learning people and 
understanding what they value, understanding their skills, understanding their experiences and, and realizing, you know what, do I, do I want to make, <laughs> hypothetically speaking, uh, figuratively speaking, do I want to marry this person? Do I want to bring them into this organization and create this marriage um, of success and prosperity for the business and for this person's career? Yeah, Raul, we're going through all the great analogies here today. I love the fact that we're on the dating analogy. No, seriously, because when you say courtship, what I think, and, and as someone who is single and in my 30s and, and on the prowl, Raul, what I think of is I love that analogy because for me, I'm just like, you need that. You keep coming back to values, Raul. And, and when it comes to dating, what do we first need to do is we need to figure out our own values. What is it that I, who am I and what do I value so that I can go find those right things? So I love that you're bringing it back to those those basic ingredients, the fundamentals that I think most people skip. Most people think, to use the dating analogy again, it's about the other person, but it's equally about us. It really, I always say, Raul, takes two to tango. And I think it's so important to consider that is it's not just the right candidate. The right candidate could be the right candidate for another company, but are they the right candidate for your company? So I really love that perspective, Raul. And you said one of my favorite words when it comes to growth and building a company and scaling, which is the P word plan. Raul, so many people, when they hear the word plan, they think, oh, does that mean a five-year plan, a 10-year plan? They get so laser-focused in on the timeline that constitutes a plan that they forget about the strategies, the tactics that can also fill in that plan. What is a a customized plan? What does that look like when it comes to talent acquisition, when it comes to growing our teams? Does that mean knowing, hey, in six months, I'm going to hire for this role. Three months after that, I'm going to hire for this role. What does a plan actually look like so we can stay on top of it this year? Totally. No, that's fantastic. Yeah, I think practically speaking, uh, you know, I think, you know, there's, uh, you know, working with different talent acquisition leaders and executive leaders of organizations, both small and big, I think if we're able to get ahead of the game and understand what we're looking to hire the next year, you know, um, versus trying to get approval, you know, obviously there's those pieces, but, um, you know, just the practical pieces of getting approval, getting finance to do this. But I, I, I like the idea of um, at least a year to 90 days out, depending upon what we're looking to build. I think startup life, you know, when it comes to startup organizations, things shift and move so much that if you're able to have a plan for 90 days out, <laughs> I think that's a success. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, so it really is determined on the size of the organization. But I like to, you know, think, I, I, I think of it as workforce planning. So let's look a year out. Let's look five years out, where do we want to be? And uh, 10 years can be challenging, but I think that one to five year window is helpful. Um, you know, one year is helpful for maybe a smaller mid-sized organization. Uh, five years out might be a little more robust for a more complex uh, organization as well. So I think, uh, you know, time frame is important, um, but just, I think any kind of proactive uh, measures there to, to building a workforce and having those conversations is essential, you know, um, building out the profiles, having conversations of the type of technology that you want these individuals to use. Um, so, you know, I think that that needs to be part of that, um, conversation with that leader, 
Um, you know, I think uh, for me, um, so yeah, I, I hope that answers the question. I, I feel like I might have gotten lost there a little bit. <laughs> no, it's good because it actually gives me yeah. a launch pad because I think an important yeah. ingredient of this, Raul, is a lot of people will probably be listening to us thinking, gosh, a year out, five years out, I don't know where my business is going to be there. And it lends me to having, I mean, I'm in year, gosh, I think this is my 16th year of entrepreneurship. I started my first business when I was 19 years old. And from there, Raul, I really learned to me the the big thing in, in hiring people and growing my teams, which is such a fortunate part of my entrepreneurial journey is that age old question of when do I start to hire? And we've had guests who come on in the past and they're like, it's never too early to hire. And for me as an entrepreneur, it's scary, obviously, to hear that. But I think the the more mature I've gotten as a CEO, as an entrepreneur, the more I've realized, well, it's about creating excess value so that I can keep hiring. The goal is for me to be able to hire. Talk to us about that because so much of talent acquisition, it's not just, yeah, do we all want to hire and we all want to outsource our work and we all want to grow our team? Of course we do. However, we want to do it in the right way and we want to do it in a way that's married with our business objectives and with the realities of where our business is. Raul, you've helped businesses grow from 700 employees to 2,000 employees. There's a lot of business things that happen there, not just talent acquisition or HR types of things that happen. Talk to us about that intersection of business milestones, revenue setting, revenue achievements, with that talent acquisition. Totally, totally. I think, yes, um, there, there's a lot there. I think there's a lot there. I think, you know, just to distill it uh, further, I think, um, you know, I think, first of all, um, uh, I'm getting a little bit lost here. Um, uh, it, um, it's fun to work through it here on the air, <laughs> Raul, because these, yeah. these are the real life business things. If if we're sitting here thinking about all the different ways to dissect it, listeners for sure are facing that in their real life businesses. So, I mean, even walk us through some examples. Like what did it look like when you were at the gene therapy startup and and what were the circumstances in which you were able to grow? Because I think a lot of times we lose sight of revenue. We lose sight of profit. We lose sight of that added value when it comes to growth. And I'm sure you've got a ton of interesting perspectives from real life examples that you've lived. For sure, for sure. No, thank you for that. Um, yeah, let me let me just use the example of. Um, so I, I think I think I'm just kind of getting lost in the the question a little bit, and that's I'll, I'll take that. And I'm I apologize for that. Um, so you want to know specifically how you start from. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd say it's it's the marriage of business growth yep. with team growth. It's it's almost like, I guess I yeah. could rephrase the question as the chicken or the egg. Do we focus sure. on that business growth first to create that excess value to be able to okay. hire? Or obviously, if I can hire more, then I can grow faster. How do we navigate the intersection of those two? Totally. Okay. Well, let's let's start here. I think you have to set goals. And sometimes you set goals based on... Um, your research, you know, I think um, understanding where uh, a, a business market might be, you know, for instance, um, uh, you know, I think for uh, when I was at the gene therapy company that I worked for, um, you, we were looking at the sales were increasing and there was a definite need for this gene therapy. So that informed how we would go about um 
how we would go about essentially uh, building out our operations and our manufacturing locations across the country, which would then, so, you know, in terms of bricks and mortar, but then also, um, you know, that would inform how many people would need. We need, you know, we need this many people in the science lab. We need this many people um, on the biochemistry side. You know, it's just a combination of things here um, that are, that are, that are needed. So, um, so, you know, it's, it's, understanding how the sales pipeline is doing. And if that's increasing and we've got sales locked in through the rest of the year, like the gene therapy company, we were starting to get approvals across the United States and Europe to go ahead and begin releasing this gene therapy. Um, that, that can be a very lengthy process of just having government, um, uh, having government uh, permission to be able to offer this as an option for, um, for families um, with this particular issue. And they, this particular gene therapy company had, uh, you know, I won't go into the details there, but, um, uh, but so I think, you know, having that, that sales pipeline and having those approvals, that kind of informs, okay, what kind of operations do we need to be able to meet this demand? And then, so that's the business side. <laughs> and then marrying that up with, the people side. Well, then, if we're going, if we need these types of operations, then we need to have this many people. So that's where the planning process begins. And you know, I think there is, um, and, and I that's, I think that's an ideal situation because we're able to be thoughtful about how to, um, uh, you know, essentially we can be thoughtful about how we're going to um, put those postings out there, just the tactics of posting, you know, job postings have value, sourcing has value, these are tactics, um, but that's the business informing the TA side of things. And then we just kind of put those, we begin to actually begin to put our plans together and we look at our values, we begin doing that outreach and start building those relationships. Yeah, Raul, I'm going to I'm going to admit here on the air. I'm glad I pushed you on that because I think that answer you just gave us reveals so much about your secret sauce because it really shed even more light on that planning process. Because what I heard as a business owner and as a business leader is I heard something fascinating about your approach, which is I feel like where I got this wrong in my entrepreneurial career was waiting for that revenue to come in and obviously planning. What's behind planning is that super level in of intentionality. And what I heard is you talked about looking at your sales pipeline. You talked about looking at the demand. And what I'm thinking is all those times I made wrong decisions because I was reactive to things that already happened. Oh my gosh, I already took too many clients on. Now, how do I hire? Now you're in that disadvantageous position. Whereas what you're talking about is really being strategic. And I I really love those insights right there. I want to talk to you about the other side of the equation because I think it's so easy for us to focus on. I would imagine that the sexy part of your job is that attraction of new talent. But the least sexy, but I would argue probably the more important part of your job is that retaining of talent, the developing of talent. Talk to us about some of the things there, because I know there's both strategy and tactics within each of these domains. We could probably do entire episodes about that. But what do you see as the important stuff when it comes to retaining and developing talent? Absolutely. I think, um, you know, doing that, going back to that marriage analogy that we used earlier, 
you know, just the courtship that happens in talent acquisition. I think in, in that process, we're trying to understand values. And that runs through, that's important because that brings us to retention and development of people. Um, if, if we don't have that right alignment of, if we don't have that right alignment of values and skill, you know, character and competency, um, uh, it, it's, you know, that marriage is going to be hard to keep up, you know, <laughs> because retention and uh, the, the retention piece and the development piece require work both on our part as an organization, but also, or the part of the organization but also on the part of the individual. And, you know, it's kind of going back to, uh, you know, the marriage day, you know, all the planning that goes into getting married, right? Um, but then there's the actual hard work of being married. <laughs> you know, I've been married for uh, um, 11 years now. And uh, man, that the excitement and elation of making plans to actually marry my best friend. Um, and then, you know, there's the honeymoon, you know, there's the honeymoon phase, but that very quickly, <laughs> 90 days in that honeymoon phase quickly fades and you start to get into the work. And that's where the alignment of values and the skill or capacity to do the work really comes to bear. And um, so, again, I don't want to underestimate the front end because the front end really makes the back end here, which is the retention piece, the development piece. And so I think uh, when it comes to developing people, which help us retain people, um, it's, so it's, so it's having values. It's, it's understanding and marrying those things up, competency and character. But then um, I think it's individualized per individual. And I think it's coming. And I, I think the best format for this is ongoing communication. You know, a lot of the times with organizations that I work with, they are, um, you know, to me, um, you know, annual, annualized reviews um, and quarterly conversations isn't sufficient. Um, relationships are much more dynamic than that. Development is much more dynamic than that. I really encourage organizations to build regular check-ins with their people and um you know on a weekly basis and be intentional about it and so i you know again using um the statement you know fail to plan plan to fail <laughs> you know I, I think that that goes with people as well we have to be intentional um in our you know just like in marriage we have to be intentional even after we're married and we're in the work of marriage being married, having kids, raising kids, <laughs> you know, you, you have to go on date nights. <laughs> and hopefully that's regular because that keeps things moving, that keeps communication lines going, that keeps passions aligned in the same way with individuals um, in an organization, you know, having that regular check-in to understand where they're at, how they're feeling, where they feel they need skill, they, they need upskilling, and providing that opportunity either through conferences or through books, book clubs, um, through you know additional training, maybe taking more education, getting your MBA, if that makes sense, um, certifications, those types of things. Uh, again, it goes back to relationship. Um, and it starts with relationship and you stay in relationship um, by having those regular check-ins. And I think there's value for both small and large organizations in doing that.
Yeah, good advice on so many levels. That's the thing I love about business, Raul, is all this advice not only works for us when it comes to growing businesses, but growing relationships, growing our lives, growing. We could do analogies that span into fitness and health and all of those things because I think all of this stuff is just a microcosm of life. So I think it's really good advice all around that we can take on board and we can actually use it. And with that in mind, I do want to squeeze a little bit more brilliance out of you here today as we come towards the end of this episode because one thing that I think is so unique about your journey is that you were a founding member of that boutique staffing firm that had consultants all across the country remotely. And I think that remote work and remote teams is such an interesting aspect of the way that businesses grow today. Because I think about Gosh, when I still lived in Boston, when I was a teenager and I had my first internship, we had like volleyball outing days at an island off the coast of Massachusetts. That was a cool way for us to have those team elements. We can't necessarily do that when our team lives inside of Slack. Give us some insights, whether it's a few strategies or a few tactics that you know of. What are some really good ways for teams to create those touch points, those relationships that you talked about, even when we're working remotely? Yeah. That's a great question, and that continues to be an ongoing challenge for both small and large organizations across the board. You know, remote work is, uh, and now the pendulum is shifting, as you know, with, uh, you know, now uh, that we're past COVID and all of this, um, we are in a situation where there's large organizations that are uh, enforcing folks to come back and you know then you've got other organizations that are swinging the other way so yeah i mean either way um i think remote work is here to stay um and it's just figuring out in terms of performance and in terms of um productivity and and really making sure that people um are getting the most out of it and organizations are getting the most out of it and there's accountability built into it again it goes back to relationship i think Having meaningful interactions with your teams that are dispersed, geographically dispersed, um, is probably the most thing, the, the most important thing that uh, a leader of a geographically dispersed team can do. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's so much of uh, our work that's scheduled when you're remote. Um, you know, so creating um, space and time, you know, like checking in with people outside of those scheduled times to have meaningful interactions, whether it's to encourage them and celebrate a win um, with them, um, whether it's to do, you know, uh, you know, to play an impromptu game, you know, uh, and, you know, just get the team together. I think that's, um, I, I think uh, you need to have some spontaneity to something that's already structured because relationships are both intentional and spontaneous. Um, so you have to create that within the digital work environment, the remote work environment. So, um, so uh, uh, being, uh, uh, you know, just taking time to reach out to those on your team outside of those structured times. And then also having um, times throughout the year, throughout the month where you as a team are coming together in person as well. Um, I found that throughout my experience with both small and large organizations that have uh, uh, geographically dispersed teams, um, a lot of the times, come, you, you know, I think post-COVID, people would have meetings for meeting's sake. <laughs> um, uh, but now, uh, now that, uh, or I should say pre-COVID, um, 
you know, people have meetings for meeting's sake, but post COVID, one of the, the beauty, uh, the beauties of having remote or geographically dispersed teams is we can be intentional about the times that we gather together as teams throughout the year and, um, you know, celebrate together. And that really fuels connection and, um, and really builds culture in a way that I think we take for granted when we're in a brick and mortar office every single day and schedule, going to scheduled meetings to scheduled meeting. Um, I think on this end of it, we have an opportunity to be very, um, very intentional about our gathering time. So I still think you need both uh, and both require intentionality. And uh, that's what I would say. Yeah, Raul, boom. I'm going to call this out right there because I have talked to so many people that work in the fields of HR, in the fields of talent acquisition, in the, the fields of building a team culture. And Raul, one piece of advice that I've never heard that I want to echo again, because I think it's so important for listeners to take on board as we grow our own businesses is something so brilliant that you said that I've never thought about. Build spontaneous interactions in, especially with your remote team. As soon as you said that, I thought about past jobs where you know your boss can just swing by your desk and just put a hand on your shoulder and say, hey, how are things going? And I think that's so important. How can we replicate that online? And obviously, yeah, having a weekly meeting is cool, but just intermittently, spontaneously chiming in and being like, hey, how are you doing today? I know that it's Wednesday afternoon. I know that I hit my 2 p.m. lull. What's going on on your side? Those spontaneous interactions, I would imagine you're getting me excited to implement this with my teams. It, it, I can imagine that that's the stuff that matters even more so than the planned stuff. So really good advice there, Raul. Gosh, this is such a fun way to kick off the new year of episodes because you brought a level of intentionality here. And I always love asking my guests the hard question, which is that tangible takeaway. Listeners heard so much brilliance from you here today. A lot of good analogies that give us food for thought. And I think you've really challenged us to be more strategic and intentional when it comes to planning our business growth, our people growth. So with all that in mind, Raul, what's your best advice? What's the one thing that you hope every listener takes on board from this episode and says, you know what, I'm finally going to sit down and I'm going to do this. What's something you want them to do? Absolutely. I think the one thing that I would want to leave listeners with is that the importance of relationship and building relationship. I think, um, again, you know, whether it's on the talent acquisition side, you know, starting to recruit doesn't start when the rec is approved and you post it. Um, it starts, uh, it starts long before that. And I think building the muscle of building enjoying to engage and connect with people in a very digital time is so important. And I would, um, I would, I would encourage our viewers and, um, to, to really, uh, take time to be intentional about meeting with people, um, meeting in person and building intentional relationships with those that they want to do business with, but also with those that they want to, uh, bring on, uh, to their, respective organizations um, and valuing that and building that muscle. I think one of the things that um, uh, COVID has done is it's created a lot of flexibility, but I think there's been a minimizing of the piece of actual in-person connection and, um, and building relationship and figuring that out. And I would encourage individuals to find their voice and find what works for them in that respect and intentionally build 
that into their schedules. And it could start with just getting together for lunch once a week with someone that you're inspired by in business uh, that is doing maybe something that you're doing, um, but is further ahead um, or somebody that you'd like to hire <laughs> um, and you'd like to have, or there's qualities or characteristics of their background and experience that, um, uh, that, that you really value and admire and would like to have that. So um, I think relationship, relationship will come a long way. Yes. Amen to all of that, Raul. That is amazing advice that is actionable for every single one of us, no matter where we are in business. And I'm going to call out all of you entrepreneurs that are out there that are listening. This year, you're committed to growing your business. That advice that Raul just gave us all right there, you can take action on it immediately. Those relationships are going to be your biggest assets. And and Raul, I love so much of the work that you're doing. I know that listeners are going to be keen to check out your business, especially since congratulations you are a full-time entrepreneur as well these days which i love seeing that i love everything that you're doing with rapido talent including i really like the headline on your website intelligent talent strategies at the pace of life i think that's so important for us to acknowledge so raul with all that in mind and all this great advice that you've given us where should listeners go to learn more about you your business and all the great work that you're up to absolutely you can find me on linkedin Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, I have a lot of my thought leadership pieces there. Feel free to send me a message, DM me. I'd love to get lunch. I'd love to meet you virtually. And uh, we can go from there. But yeah, those would be all my links. Yes, listeners, you already know the drill. We are making it as easy as possible for you to find Raul as well as his business, Rapido Talent, which is at rapidotalent.com. Find those links as well as all of his socials and his personal LinkedIn down below wherever it is that you're tuning in. Otherwise, Raul, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this knowledge with us on the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. Such a pleasure, Brian. Thank you. Hey, it's Brian here, and thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. If you haven't checked us out online, there's so much good stuff there. Check out the show's website and all the show notes that we talked about in today's episode at theentrepreneurshow.com. And I just want to give a shout out to our amazing guests. There's a reason why we are ad-free and have produced so many incredible episodes five days a week for you, and it's because our guests step up to the plate. These are not sponsored episodes. These are not infomercials. Our guests help us cover the costs of our productions. They so deeply believe in the power of getting their message out in front of you, awesome entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs that they contribute to help us make these productions possible. So thank you to not only today's guests, but all of our guests in general. And I just want to invite you check out our website because you can send us a voicemail there. We also have live chat. If you want to interact directly with me, go to theentrepreneurshow.com, initiate a live chat. It's for real me. And I'm excited because I'll see you as always every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday here on the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast.